story two of the bet and other stories by anton chekhov this librivox recording is in the public domain story two a tedious story from an old man's journal part three as usual she is lying on the turkish divan or the couch and reading something seeing me she shifts her head languidly sits down and gives me her hand you are always lying down like that i say after a reposeful silence it's unhealthy you'd far better be doing something oh you'd far better be doing something i say what a woman can be either a simple worker or an actress well then if you can't become a worker be an actress she is silent you had better marry i say half joking there's no one to marry and no use if i did you can't go on living like this without a husband as if that mattered there are as many men as you like if you only had the will this isn't right katie what isn't right what you said just now katie sees that i am chagrined and desires to soften the bad impression come let's come here here she leads me into a small room very cosy and points to the writing-table there i made it for you you'll work here come every day and bring your work with you they only disturb you there at home will you work here would you like to in order not to hurt her by refusing i answer that i shall work with her and that i like the room immensely then we both sit down in the cosy room and begin to talk the warmth the cosy surroundings the presence of a sympathetic being rouses in me now not a feeling of pleasure as it used but a strong desire to complain and grumble anyhow it seems to me that if i moan and complain i shall feel better it's a bad business my dear i begin with a sigh very bad what's the matter i'll tell you what is the matter the best and most sacred right of kings is the right to pardon and i have always felt myself a king so long as i used this right prodigally i never judged i was compassionate i pardoned every one right and left where others protested and revolted i only advised and persuaded all my life i've tried to make my society tolerable to the family of students friends and servants and this attitude of mine towards people i know educated every one who came into contact with me but now i am king no more there's something going on in me which belongs only to slaves day and night evil thoughts roam about in my head and feelings which i never knew before have made their home in my soul i hate and despise i'm exasperated disturbed and afraid i've become strict beyond measure exacting unkind and suspicious even the things which in the past gave me the chance of making an extra pun now bring me a feeling of oppression my logic has changed too i used to despise money alone now i cherish evil feelings not to money but to the rich as if they were guilty i used to hate violence and arbitrariness now i hate the people who employ violence as if they alone are to blame and not all of us who cannot educate one another what does it all mean if my new thoughts and feelings come from a change of my convictions where could the change have come from has the world grown worse and i better or was i blind and indifferent before 
but if the change is due to the general decline of my physical and mental powers i am sick and losing weight every day then i'm in a pitiable position it means that my new thoughts are abnormal and unhealthy that i must be ashamed of them and consider them valueless oh, sickness isn't anything to do with it katy interrupts your eyes are opened that's all you've begun to notice things you didn't want to notice before for some reason my opinion is that you must break with your family finally first of all and then go away oh, you're talking nonsense you don't love them any more then why do you behave unfairly and is it a family mere nobodies if they died to-day no one would notice their absence to-morrow katy despises my wife and daughter as much as they hate her it's scarcely possible nowadays to speak of the right of people to despise one another but if you accept katy's point of view and own that such a right exists you will notice that she has the same right to despise my wife and liza as they have to hate her mere nobodies she repeats did you have any dinner to-day it's a wonder they didn't forget to tell you dinner was ready i don't know how they still remember that you exist katy i said sternly please be quiet you don't think it's fun for me to talk about them do you i wish i didn't know them at all you listen to me dear leave everything and go away go abroad the quicker the better oh what nonsense what about the university and the university too what is it to you there's no sense in it all you've been lecturing for thirty years and where are your pupils have you many famous scholars count them up but to increase the number of doctors who exploit the general ignorance and make hundreds of thousands there's no need to be a good and gifted man you aren't wanted my god how bitter you are i get terrified how bitter you are be quiet or i'll go away i can't reply to the bitter things you say the maid enters and calls us to tea thank god our conversation changes around the samovar i have made my moan and now i want to indulge another senile weakness reminiscences i tell katy about my past to my great surprise with details that i never suspected i had kept safe in my memory and she listens to me with emotion with pride holding her breath i like particularly to tell how i once was a student at a seminary and how i dreamed of entering the university i used to walk in the seminary garden i told her and the wind would bring the sound of a song and the thrumming of an accordion from a distant tavern or a troika with bells would pass quickly by the seminary fence that would be quite enough to fill not only my breast with a sense of happiness but my stomach legs and hands as i heard the sound of the accordion or the bells fading away i would see myself a doctor and paint pictures one more glorious than another and you see my dreams came true there were more things i dared to dream of i have been a favorite professor thirty years i have had excellent friends and an honorable reputation i loved and married when i was passionately in love i had children altogether when i look back the whole of my life seems to be a nice clever composition the only thing i have to do now is not to spoil the finale for this i must die like a man if death is really a danger then i must meet it as becomes a teacher a scholar and a citizen of a christian state 
but i am spoiling the finale i am drowning and i run to you and beg for help and you say drown it's your duty at this point a ring at the bell sounds in the hall katie and i both recognize it and say that must be mikhail fyodorovich and indeed in a minute mikhail fyodorovich my colleague the philologist enters he is a tall well-built man about fifty years old clean-shaven with thick grey hair and black eyebrows he is a good man and an admirable friend he belongs to an old aristocratic family a prosperous and gifted house which has played a notable role in the history of our literature and education he himself is clever gifted and highly educated but not without his eccentricities to a certain extent we are all eccentric queer fellows but his eccentricities have an element of the exceptional not quite safe for his friends among the latter i know not a few who cannot see his many merits clearly because of his eccentricities as he walks in he slowly removes his gloves and says in his velvety bass how do you do drinking tea just in time it's hellishly cold then he sits down at the table takes a glass of tea and immediately begins to talk what chiefly marks his way of talking is his invariably ironical tone a mixture of philosophy and jest like shakespeare's gravediggers he always talks of serious matters but never seriously his opinions are always acid and provocative but thanks to his tender easy jesting tone it somehow happens that his acidity and provocativeness don't tire one's ears and one very soon gets used to it every evening he brings along some half-dozen stories of the university life and generally begins with them when he sits down at the table oh lord he sighs with an amusing movement of his black eyebrows there are some funny people in the world who asked katie i was coming down after my lecture to-day and i met that old idiot mm, on the stairs he walks along as usual pushing out that horse jowl of his looking for some one to bewail his headaches his wife and his students who won't come to his lectures well i think to myself he's seen me it's all up no hope for a and so on in the same strain or he begins like this yesterday i was at z's public lecture tell it not in gath but i do wonder how our alma mater dares to show the public such an ass such a double-dyed blockhead as z why he's a european fool good lord you won't find one like him in all europe not even if you looked in daytime and with a lantern imagine it he lectures as though he were sucking a stick of barley sugar he gets a fright because he can't make out his manuscript his little thoughts will only just keep moving hardly moving like a bishop riding a bicycle above all you can't make out a word he says the flies die of boredom it's so terrific it can only be compared with the boredom in the great hall at the commemoration when the traditional speech is made to hell with it immediately an abrupt change of subject i had to make a speech three years ago and nikolai stepanovich will remember it was hot close my full uniform was tight under my arms tight as death i read for half an hour an hour an hour and a half two hours 
well i thought thank god i've only got ten pages left and i had four pages of peroration that i needn't read at all only six pages then i thought imagine it i just gave a glance in front of me and saw sitting next to each other in the front row a general with a broad ribbon and a bishop the poor devils were bored stiff they were staring about madly to stop themselves from going to sleep for all that they were still trying to look attentive to make some appearance of understanding what i'm reading and look as though they like it well i thought if you like it then you shall have it i'll spite you so i set to and read the four pages every word when he speaks only his eyes and eyebrows smile as it is generally with the ironical at such moments there is no hatred or malice in his eyes but a great deal of acuteness and that peculiar fox cunning which you can catch only in very observant people further about his eyes i have noticed one more peculiarity when he takes his glass from katie or listens to her remarks or follows her with a glance as she goes out of the room for a little while then i catch in his look something humble prayerful pure the maid takes the samovar away and puts on the table a big piece of cheese some fruit and a bottle of crimean champagne a thoroughly bad wine which katie got to like when she lived in the crimea mikhail fyodorovich takes two packs of cards from the shelves and sets them out for patience if one may believe his assurances some games of patience demand a great power of combination and concentration nevertheless while he sets out the cards he amuses himself by talking continually katie follows his cards carefully helping him more by mimicry than words in the whole evening she drinks no more than two small glasses of wine i drink only a quarter of a glass the remainder of the bottle falls to mikhail fyodorovich who can drink any amount without ever getting drunk during patience we solve all kinds of questions mostly of the lofty order and our dearest love science comes off second best science thank god has had her day said mikhail fyodorovich very slowly she has had her swan song yes mankind has begun to feel the desire to replace her by something else she has grown from the soil of prejudice fed by prejudices and is now the same quintessence of prejudices as were her bygone grandmothers alchemy metaphysics and philosophy as between european scholars and the chinese who have no sciences at all the difference is merely trifling a matter only of externals the chinese had no scientific knowledge but what have they lost by that flies haven't any scientific knowledge either i say but what does that prove it's no use getting angry nikolai stepanovich i say this only between ourselves i'm more cautious than you think i shan't proclaim it from the housetops god forbid the masses still keep alive a prejudice that science and art are superior to agriculture and commerce superior to crafts our persuasion makes a living from this prejudice it's not for you and me to destroy it god forbid during patience the younger generation also comes in for it our public is degenerate nowadays mikhail fyodorovich sighs 
i don't speak of ideals and such things i only ask that they should be able to work and think decently sadly i look at the men of our time it's quite true in this connection yes they're frightfully degenerate katy agrees tell me had you one single eminent person under you during the last five or ten years i don't know how it is with the other professors but somehow i don't recollect that it ever happened to me in my lifetime i've seen a great many of your students and young scholars a great many actors what happened i never once had the luck to meet not a hero or a man of talent but an ordinarily interesting person everything's dull and incapable swollen and pretentious all these conversations about degeneracy give me always the impression that i have unwittingly overheard an unpleasant conversation about my daughter i feel offended because the indictments are made wholesale and are based upon such ancient hackneyed commonplaces and such penny dreadful notions as degeneracy lack of ideals or comparisons with the glorious past any indictment even if it's made in a company of ladies should be formulated with all possible precision otherwise it isn't an indictment but an empty calumny unworthy of decent people i am an old man and have served for the last thirty years but i don't see any sign either of degeneracy or the lack of ideals i don't find it any worse now than before my porter nicholas whose experience in this case has its value says that students nowadays are neither better nor worse than their predecessors if i were asked what was the thing i did not like about my present pupils i wouldn't say off-hand or answer at length but with a certain uh, precision i know their defects and there's no need for me to take refuge in a mist of commonplaces i don't like the way they smoke and drink spirits and marry late or the way they are careless and indifferent to the point of allowing students to go hungry in their midst and not paying their debts into the students aid society they are ignorant of modern languages and express themselves incorrectly in russian only yesterday my colleague the hygienist complained to me that he had to lecture twice as often because of their incompetent knowledge of physics and their complete ignorance of meteorology they are readily influenced by the most modern writers and some of those not the best but they are absolutely indifferent to classics like shakespeare marcus aurelius epictetus and pascal and their worldly unpracticality shows itself mostly in their inability to distinguish between great and small they solve all difficult questions which have a more or less social character uh, immigration for instance by getting up subscriptions but not by the method of scientific investigation and experiment though this is at their full disposal and above all corresponds to their vocation they readily become house doctors assistant house doctors clinical assistants or consulting doctors and they are prepared to keep these positions until they are forty though independence a sense of freedom and personal initiative are quite as necessary in science as for instance in art or commerce i have pupils and listeners but i have no helpers or successors therefore i love them and am concerned for them but i'm not proud of them and so on 
however great the number of such defects may be it's only in a cowardly and timid person that they give rise to pessimism and distraction all of them are by nature accidental and transitory and are completely dependent on the conditions of life ten years will be enough for them to disappear or give place to new and different defects which are quite indispensable but will in their turn give the timid a fright student shortcomings often annoy me but the annoyance is nothing in comparison with the joy i have had these thirty years in speaking with my pupils lecturing to them studying their relations and comparing them with people of a different class mikhail fyodorovich is a slanderer katie listens and neither of them notices how deep is the pit into which they are drawn by such an outwardly innocuous recreation as condemning one's neighbours they don't realise how a simple conversation gradually turns into mockery and derision or how they both begin even to employ the manners of calumny there are some queer types to be found says mikhail fyodorovich yesterday i went to see our friend yegor pietrovich there i found a student one of your medicos a third-year man i think his face rather in the style of dubroliubov the stamp of profound thought on his brow we began to talk my dear fellow an extraordinary business i've just read that some german or other can't remember his name has extracted a new alkaloid from the human brain idiotine do you know he really believed it and produced an expression of respect on his face as much as to say see what a power we are the other day i went to the theatre i sat down just in front of me in the next row two people were sitting one one of the chosen evidently a law student the other a whiskery medico the medico was as drunk as a cobbler not an atom of attention to the stage dozing and nodding but the moment some actor began to deliver a loud monologue or just raised his voice my medical thrills digs his neighbour in the ribs what'd he say something's noble noble answers the chosen bravo bawls the medical noble bravo you see the drunken blockhead didn't come to the theatre for art but for something noble he wants nobility katie listens and laughs her laugh is rather strange she breathes out in swift rhythmic and regular alternation with her inward breathing it's as though she were playing an accordion of her face only her nostrils laugh my heart fails me i don't know what to say i lose my temper crimson jump up from my seat and cry be quiet won't you why do you sit here like two toads poisoning the air with your breath i've had enough in vain i wait for them to stop their slanders i prepare to go home and it's time too past ten o'clock i'll sit here a little longer says mikhail fyodorovich if you give me leave ekaterina vladimirovna you have my leave katie answers bene in that case order another bottle please together they escort me to the hall with candles in their hands while i'm putting on my overcoat mikhail fyodorovich says you've grown terribly thin and old lately nikolai stepanovich what's the matter with you ill yes a little and he will not look after himself 
katy puts in sternly why don't you look after yourself how can you go on like this god helps those who help themselves my dear man give my regards to your family and make my excuses for not coming one of these days before i go abroad i'll come to say good-bye without fail i'm off next week i came away from katy's irritated frightened by the talk about my illness and discontented with myself and why i asked myself shouldn't i be attended by one of my colleagues instantly i see how my friend after sounding me will go to the window silently think a little while turn towards me and say indifferently trying to prevent me from reading the truth in his face at the moment i don't see anything particular but still cher confrere i would advise you to break off your work and that will take my last hope away who doesn't have hopes nowadays when i diagnose and treat myself i sometimes hope that my ignorance deceives me that i am mistaken about the albumen and sugar which i find as well as about my heart and also about the anasacra which i have noticed twice in the morning while i read over the therapeutic textbooks again with the eagerness of a hypochondriac and change the prescriptions every day i still believe that i will come across something hopeful how trivial it all is whether the sky is cloudy all over or the moon and stars are shining in it every time i come back home i look at it and think that death will take me soon surely at that moment my thoughts should be as deep as the sky as bright as striking but no i think of myself of my wife liza necker the students people in general my thoughts are not good they are mean i juggle with myself and at this moment my attitude towards life can be expressed in the words the famous arikiv wrote in one of his intimate letters all good in the world is inseparably linked to bad and there is always more bad than good which means that everything is ugly there's nothing to live for and the sixty-two years i have lived out must be counted as lost i surprise myself in these thoughts and try to convince myself they are accidental and temporary and not deeply rooted in me but i think immediately well, if that's true why am i drawn every evening to those two toads and i swear to myself never to go to katy any more though i know i will go to her again to-morrow as i pull my door-bell and go upstairs i feel already that i have no family and no desire to return to it it is plain my new arikiv thoughts are not accidental or temporary in me but possess my whole being with a bad conscience dull indolent hardly able to move my limbs as though i had a ten-ton weight upon me i lie down in my bed and soon fall asleep and then insomnia end of story two part three